know that already we know that this place, as all places in the walk of a Christian should be, but this most definitely is holy ground here. Amen. Dedicated to the worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn to our text today, which is in Philippians chapter 3. And I've identified verses 1 through 16, but we are going to focus closely on verses 12 through 14. And you see the title of the message there, The Memory Pool. How to clear your heart and mind of negative or bad memories. The Apostle Paul gives us a real game plan, a real game plan on how that we can do that. Let me lead us again in a word of prayer as God guides us through this word. We pray together. Lord Jesus, you know that this is a thought process that has developed over the years in my life and heart and comes now to this point of sharing. And I pray that it will be shared with clarity that anointed by your Holy Spirit and can be received into our hearts and applied to our everyday life. I thank you for the wonderful opportunity to be the pastor of this lovely fellowship and to stand in this esteemed pulpit and share the good news. Forgive us of our sins and have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before move, well, as a part of the message, I have to give a little backstory here about how this has, has developed. And that is, in 2016, I believe it was, one of the churches that I had pastored, First Baptist Avondale Estates, Metropolitan Atlanta, was celebrating their 75th anniversary and invited former pastors to come back. And I was able to go and be there and several other, several other of the former pastors. And, and, and they stood up and gave a testimony about their time there and they would mention this and they would mention that and they would mention this. And the Lord had blessed me with eight years there and, and I just thought, what am I going to say? You know, when I look at those eight years, uh, it was kind of like a blur. We worked hard, God blessed, and we did a lot. And so when I got up for my time, instead of going through all of the accomplishments and everything that had happened there, the Lord had laid on my heart to begin by saying, when I think about my time here, I think about my childhood. Believe it or not, I was a child for one or two years, I think. Other than that, I've been grown most of my life, you know. But I said, I can't remember everything about my childhood, but I can tell you this, it was a good childhood. How about that? It was a good one. Well, one of my brothers was with me at that service, and after the service, he came up to me and said, we must have come up in different homes, you know? <laughs> well, the problem is I behaved myself, and he didn't, all right? And I love telling you about Ken, and I wish my brothers could be here more, and I always introduce Ken to you as my state high school football champion player and Marine veteran, and... Uh, 
Ken will tell you today that if he had not been a good football player, he'd have never graduated from high school because every time mother threw him out of the house, the coach would take him in. <laughs> got to have that boy, you know. I got to have, I got to have him. But our childhood was good. It was a good childhood. And so I shared with First Baptist Avondale Estates, I said, you know, when I look back on my, our eight years here, I just want you to know that it was good. I'm very grateful to have been, to be able to be here as pastor. As many of you know, last Sunday, I stood for the first time to preach uh, at First Baptist Blackshear. And if you think looking back over eight years is a blur, try to look back over 21 years. It was a real blur. And plus it was my first time to stand in that pulpit to preach in three years since coming to be here with you. And so I was to give the sermon then. And there is where this thought about the memory, and God gave me this phrase last week, the memory pool. And I identified that I think there are several areas of life, there are big chapters in life, and I had only identified the childhood years ago but I look at the chapters in my life, there was the childhood, and I'm grateful to be able to stand here and say it was good. And then there were those 45 years of the chapter of marriage, and to stand here and to say it was good. It was good. And then there are those years of parenting, which the jury is not in yet on that, okay? <laughs> it is still going on. The parenting is still going on, but today it is good. It is good. My girls and their families are awesome. And then there are these 54 years of pastoring churches. And I am so grateful to be able to stand here that I can look back. And there are no bad memories. There are no negative memories. It's just all good. Now, I need to backtrack. Was my childhood perfect? No. I, do, I cannot believe that the first time I visited back to my home church in Rome, Georgia, after being gone nearly 50 years, this lady walked up to me and said, William, you were the meanest little boy that I ever knew. I just knew she had the wrong William. I was not mean, but I sure was mischievous. But no, my childhood was not perfect and my parents weren't perfect. My marriage was not perfect. Now, Charlotte was, but I wasn't, okay? But I, I, I wasn't perfect, but it, and she, we, it was just a wonderful, I have a good feeling about it. Parenting, we did the best we could in the Lord, and I feel good about it. And all of these years of pastoring, I just, I feel good about it. And you say, how in the world can you do that? This is important. The Bible first tells me that it's possible. Romans 8, 28 for all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to His purposes. And so, none of us have a, had a perfect life. I look back and I remember those places where I wish that I had done a lot better, but I'm gonna tell you, because of Jesus Christ, they are not holding me back. And you say, how? And the Apostle Paul gives us a game plan here in this passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, 
is the apostle's summary of his life before Christ. You're familiar with it. I am an Israelite. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, I followed the law. That was his life before Christ. But then in verses 7 through 11, he talks about this is my life now that I desire in Christ. And when you scan it, you can see here that he says that I've counted everything lost for Christ and I just want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death so that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The apostle Paul's goal in life had changed in Christ. And then he gives a game plan as to how he is getting there. And I use the word game plan because he used so many athletic images. The image of I have run my race. The image of I have fought my fight. The image of in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses which was like a coliseum at an Olympic game. This is the apostle Paul's game plan for living his life with a memory pool that if you were to ask him today, it was all good. But it wasn't in reality. But because of his game plan, it was all good. What's the game plan? Number one, it begins with that of forgiveness. It begins with that of forgiveness. Let me key in on verses 12 through 14. The apostle says, not that I've already attained, meaning I have not, I don't fully know Christ now. I, I do not fully know the power of his resurrection. I do not fully share in the fellowship of his suffering. I have not yet attained all of these things. I have not attained them. I'm not perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which for Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have arrived, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is able to say, I forget what's behind me and the way that he is able to forget it because we are looking at an individual who has experienced God's forgiveness. I'm telling you, this is a man that was at war with God. This was a man that was at war with the church. This is a man that tried to stamp out Christianity. He consented to the death of Stephen, what we believe was of the first deacons of the New Testament church. He had gotten letters to go to Damascus to put more people in prison who were Christians and to persecute more of those. When God stopped him on the road and said to him, enough is enough, Saul, enough is enough, I got something for you to do. The Apostle Paul can look back and know that I just don't have to worry about all of that. It's not that he forgot it. 
It's not that he brushed it off. It was always a part of his life. He even mentioned it in this passage of scripture that I used to persecute the church, but it was not a memory that he let paralyze him or keep him in a closet. Every one of us have memories, but some of them we need to put under the blood of Jesus Christ. Put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is able to say in this passage of Scripture, you know, I'm, just, I'm not held down by my past. I'm not held down by the bad decisions that I made. I'm not held down by the way that I was wrong and saw things wrong. And that's because I have been forgiven of my sins. And when we have truly, truly, truly accepted God's forgiveness, we begin to forgive ourselves. How sad of the Jesus Christ that died on the cross and gave his blood to forgive us of our sins. And we say that we have accepted him and we drag those sins around the rest of our life. Isn't that a shame? I think about this way. Corey Ten Boom tells a story in one of her books. And if there was anybody that had cause for negative memories, it's Corey Ten Boom who gave all of her family's life trying to save the Jews from Auschwitz and from all of the extermination during World War II. Her family, the whole family was arrested. The whole family except her died in a concentration camp, Buchenwald. But Corrie Ten Boom came out of that and she became what she called a tramp for the Lord and she traveled the whole world telling people about Jesus Christ. And she told a story of a little girl that accidentally broke a prized dish of her mother's. She knew it was prized. She was devastated. She cried. Her mother told her, that's okay, honey. Go get the broom. Go get the dustpan. We'll clean it up. And so they cleaned up that broken dish and put it in the garbage can and went on about their business. And a little while later, the little girl went to the garbage can, took the pieces of the broken dish out, went to her mother and began to cry again how sorry she was. And her mother said, silly girl, I've forgiven you. Put that back in the garbage can. Corey Ten Boom says that our response to the forgiveness of our sins is to say to Almighty God, once I'm sorry and for the rest of our life, Thank you, God. Amen. I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul lived the rest of his life not held back, not that he forgot, not that it didn't matter, but that he was under the blood of Jesus and he lived his whole life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. When God forgives us, we're able to forgive ourselves and then we can forgive those who want to be forgiven. Some of us got some people in our lives and things did not go right, did not go well. And you need to think about those people because there are some of those they would give anything that if you'd forgive them. Amen? If you'd forgive them. One of my, I love old movies. I love old movies because I don't blush when I watch them, amen? And I definitely don't blush when I watch The Wizard of Menlo Park, The Life of Thomas Edison. What an incredible individual. 
And there is a scenario in there where they are working diligently to try to get a light bulb that'll burn more than 30 seconds. And I forget the number, I have looked at it before, but it's like he tried about 10,000 different filaments. And every one of them was just like that. Had a lab downstairs, they would make a bulb, a little lab assistant, a little boy would take one upstairs, they would put the power to it and see what would happen. And after all of these times, after all of these times, they finally felt like they had arrived. They were so excited and they handed the bulb to that little lab assistant and he went running up the steps and tripped on the stop, top step and fell and broke the bulb. Naturally, he ran crying and hid under a stairwell and shut the door. Dr. Edison got the lab to making another bulb and when that bulb was finished, Dr. Edison took that light bulb walked over to that stairwell, opened that door, and handed it to that little boy. I get chill bumps when I think about it. Somebody out there wants another chance in your life, you know? Somebody out there wants another chance in your life. And when we have been forgiven, whatever happened, we can cleanse ourselves of that negative memory and they can be restored to our life but then what about those who don't want to be forgiven? You've heard me say it before. Some of those are those that mocked and cursed and spit at the foot of Jesus' cross. And he said to them what? Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. There's some people in our lives that they may not really understand what happened but we forgive them, maybe not for their sake, but for our sake. And so this is a thought process that has been developing with me. The memory pool was the first time that I had ever used that phrase last Sunday. Poor young pastor at First Baptist grabbing everything that he can after the service, he said, I'm gonna remember the memory pool. Y'all jump in the car and listen to him on the way home. See if he's preaching on the memory pool, okay? See if he's preaching on the memory. But this is developed. We all have a memory pool. And some of us, it's poisoned. And it's tainted. But it doesn't have to be that way. The Apostle Paul, as much as went on in his past, he moved forward in spite of all of that because of God's forgiveness. When we experience God's forgiveness, that then opens the door to friendship. That opens the door to friendship. Whereas hurt, negative memories, they close the door on other people. I've said before, and God has impressed upon my heart, there are no throwaway people. Jesus died for what we would consider the best of us, and Jesus died for what we would consider the worst of us. Amen? There are no throwaway people. I think about a setting in a village of another century. Two guys out one morning taking a hike on a frosty morning. In the path through the woods, they came across an individual who was one of the poor, challenged individuals of the little community. He was passed out and near death. And one of them said, we just ought to leave him here. 
And the other said, no, let's take him to the priest's home. So they helped him up and took him to the priest's home. And as the priest opened the door, one of them said, here, we found this wretched creature in the woods and brought him to you. The priest said, call no one wretched for whom Christ died. Because we've been forgiven, because we're not perfect, because God has given us a memory pool that we can move forward with, it opens us to being a friend and most definitely a friend of God. Oh my goodness, how wonderful to know. I think of that song, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, how wonderful to be a friend and to know as Abraham, who was a friend of God, that God is not our enemy, he's our friend, as he's forgiven us of our sins. Can you define a friend? I tried. It's a pretty, pretty big concept. But I wrote down a few things here. A friend is someone that we feel a connection with. We feel a connection with. We feel like we have something in common with them. A friend is somebody that we feel free to talk to and to share with. A friend is somebody that we feel like we can call on any time of the day or night. A friend is someone that we enjoy their company. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. I got a connection with Jesus to you. He's my Lord and Savior. I can talk to him and he talks to me when I listen. I can call on him 24-7 and I enjoy his company. I enjoy the company of Jesus. But then I think one thing of friends is we can say the phrase of a friend, he gets me, she gets me, she understands me. There's a major evangelistic emphasis being launched in these days. You may have seen some commercials during the breaks of the football games and it's entitled, He Gets Us. Trying to reacquaint our nation with Jesus Christ and that He gets us and He understands us. He knows what we are going through and He's been through it. Be watching for He gets us. And when we've been forgiven of our sins, oh, one of the greatest things in addition to being able to embrace others in our life, to be able to be a friend to ourselves and to forgive ourselves is to know, as that chorus says, I am a friend of God. And then that helps us to be a friend to others. Now, if we pick apart our past, we can find some things that are not so pleasant. I could go back to every church that I pastored and if I were of this kind, I, I, could, I could know some situations that were just not, you know, very enjoyable. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I think about one of my seminary churches and that is, you know, uh, seminary churches are hard to pastor because they rotate a guy in and out about every two years, you know. And so I think the mindset of the congregation becomes like, you know, we'll survive this guy. He won't be here but two years or three years, you know. And so they get accustomed to 
doing it their way, doing their own thing. Well, I was only 21 years old, and I had a problem. Some of you say, you had a problem? By the time I got to seminary, I'd been preaching five years and pastored two churches. I had an idea about the way I thought it ought to go. Now, I'm not a dictator. I just want to seat at the table in a voice, you know, that's all. Well, there was a guy in that church that wasn't going to give me anything. And it was a struggle the whole time. <laughs> it was a struggle. Well, I graduated from seminary. Charlotte and I, like everybody else, we had hoped we'd go back to our home state. I don't know what I did, but God left us in Louisville, Kentucky. Beautiful church, suburb of Louisville, First Baptist Fairdale. We knew we were where we were supposed to be. Tabernacle Church in Macon extended a call, but we knew, no, we're supposed to be at that church in Louisville. So I've started this church, and I walk out one Sunday night, and guess who's sitting out there? That guy and his wife. I thought, Lord, please don't let him join this church. No. <laughs> he was sitting out there. And we had no problems because I knew who he was. He knew who I was. His church that he had gone to then didn't have Sunday night church. So here he is, him and his wife, him and his wife, him and his wife. Everything is great. I walked out of church one night. He was standing out there and around members of the church and all of that. And they were having the greatest time. So I just walked up to him. And he put his arm around me and he said, this boy here used to be my pastor. I like him a whole lot better now that he's not my pastor. <laughs> There's hope, friends. You're going to like me better one day. But we understood each other. We both had been forgiven of our sins. and We were friends to the day that he, an older gentleman, passed away. I don't have any bad thoughts about him. It's all good. It's all good because God has forgiven us of our sins and opened the door to friendship. And the last point is that opens the door to the future. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not there. That's an important thought. I'm not there. I have not apprehended. I, I am not perfected. But I can forget those things which are behind in a healthy way. And I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm moving toward the future for what God has called me to do. And Paul was faithful to death to the future that God had called him to. That's my heartbeat. If your memory pool is poisoned or tainted, I pray that you will allow Jesus Christ in His forgiveness to filter it and that you can look forward to a future with great anticipation. I've listed three of my most favorite illustrations here and I will be very brief with them. Our time is up. But these just encourage me all the time. Gather the fruit. A windstorm came through, destroyed a family's orchard. A passerby asked them, what are you going to do? 
And the farmer said, it's simple. We're going to gather the fruit and burn the trees. Those who refuse to learn the lessons of the past are doomed to repeat the mistakes of them. Whatever that memory is that bothers you, learn from it. Gather the fruit of it. Close the gate. Charles Allen, I mentioned him. He pastored the largest Methodist church in the world at one point. First United Methodist in Houston, Texas. From Texas, his brother Roy had inherited the family farm. Charles loved to visit his brother Roy. Every time they would go there, Roy would say, let's ride around the farm. Roy jumped in the pickup behind the steering wheel. Charles over on the passenger side. They would go from one field to the other, separated by fences and gates. Roy would pull up at a gate and stop, look over at Charles, which meant, you get out, you run up there, you open the gate. When I come through, you close it and get back in. That went on for years. Until Charles reached the age that he just couldn't do that, and Roy one day said, you want to ride around the farm? And Charles said, no, I think I'll pass this time. But Dr. Allen said he realized that every time they left one field, they always closed the gate. There may be some things you need to close the gate on today. And with God's forgiveness, you can. With God's agenda for your future, you can close the gate. And then you know this last, I love it so much. Start a new chapter. I read somewhere that life is best lived like a book. We come to the end of a chapter. Childhood ended for me. Marriage ended for me. Parenting, it's basically ended. Those girls are on their own. Pastoring, I pray every night that God will just let me be faithful to the moment He calls me. But somebody here needs to put a period on a chapter and you need to start a new one in your life. And you start a new chapter in Jesus Christ. We all have a memory pool. We all have a memory pool. Let's not let it hold us back. We don't forget it. We don't take it for granted. We know where we went wrong, but move forward in Jesus Christ. We sing a hymn of invitation, and I invite you, and I'm here to receive and minister to you in any way that I can.